I'm Lauren. And I'm Austin. We are an interracial couple raising a biracial daughter and have regular conversations about the value of our different experiences and how we want to raise our child. We believe that God made people of different ethnicities for His glory alone. But like many other things sin corrupts, we have made a mockery out of what God meant to be good. And in comes racism, a very real problem plaguing our hearts and minds and therefore invading systems of this world. So we decided to hit the record button as we discuss race, division, unity, and how to live a life in opposition to this sin specifically. We hope you'll join us as we dive headfirst into current topics, discuss ways to live a life against racism, and ultimately seek on earth as it is in heaven, a place that will be filled with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. You're listening to Grace and Race, a podcast about practicing anti-racism and promoting unity in families and communities. What it do? Hey, everybody. How's your week? <laughs> uh, so far, so good. I Actually, no, it's not. I'm lying. <laughs> I'm just used to saying that. Would this be a good time to do roses and thorns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my first thorn is <laughs> the Chiefs lost. That's a thorn. Um... A rose was being able to see some of the coolest throws I've ever seen in my life from Patrick Mahomes. They weren't completions because I guess we had butterfingers, but that's okay. It happens to the best of us. Everybody can't be great all the time. So Chiefs deserve to be human. I'm okay with that. I can I can live with them making mistakes. That's okay. Um and then I guess in real life, <laughs> the football doesn't like um just just tough stuff, you know, going on with relationships and friendships and uh, just tough things going on at work, and it's kind of weighing on me, and uh, I guess that's a thorn. But a rose is just, I feel like, uh, at the same time, a lot of my relationships at work are getting stronger, you know, because we're going through tough stuff together, and we're just praying for each other and trying to see God's face. So, yeah, that's probably, that's the thorn, but that's probably the the rose is seeing how God's working in it, even though it's heavy and it's, it's difficult, um, but just seeing how he is working in all of it is pretty cool. That's good. I feel like I feel like you always start out with with your thorn. It's been a tough few weeks since we started doing roses and thorns, has. hasn't it? It really has cuz usually like things just feel breezy. Um not big picture for me, but little picture usually things are fine. Big picture it's been kind of crazy since, you know, 2018. <laughs> 2018? Yeah. Or was that 2019? That what happened? That we had our that we had Eden? No. Twenty oh twenty nineteen when we started our journey, like getting ready the house and all that stuff. Oh. Or was that twenty nineteen? Yeah. Was that twenty nineteen? Yeah, that was twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen, sorry, since twenty nineteen, big picture. Things have been crazy. But little picture, like week to week, um, a lot of things have been fine. Mm. So yeah, I'll I'll kind of move into my thorn and then Rose. So I could say the same thing about the Chiefs. Actually, I think I was more upset than Austin was <laughs> about the Chiefs losing. And here's why. I never cared about football. I've never cared about football in my entire life or really any professional sports why at all. Why are you yelling? Why are you yelling? Because <sighs> I'm upset. I never cared. And then this joker made me care. 
made me care. And then I was mad every single time that they had the ball and they didn't score a touchdown, which, let me tell you, was every time they had the ball. Mm, bars. <laughs> oh, it made me so mad. And also, the last time I was pregnant, it was the AFC Championship, and it was Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. And guess who won? Tom Brady. And then this time I was pregnant, and it was Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. And freaking Tom Brady won again. Mm. And then this man has the gall to go on Good Morning America the next day. Or he wasn't on Good Morning America, but, you know, they showed him after the game and stuff. And I was actually, like, happy for him. <laughs> it made me mad. That's okay. It's hard to hate on greatness. Tom's the GOAT. If you're going to lose, lose to the greatest of all time. That's what I say. That's my motto. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But you spend all of this time trying to convince me that he's overrated. And then and then I get Well, that's a misconception. This has quickly turned into a sports <laughs> <laughs> commentary, by the way. So just warning y'all. No, I'm just kidding. Last point. It's not that Tom's overrated. I still believe Bill Belichick. Um, has more to do with the rings. I still stand by that because Tom, as we know it, um, he, we don't. The Tom that we know now didn't come until after the nine years of his drought, Super Bowl drought, in my opinion. The Tom that we know now, early on, it really was Bill. I think three of his rings wouldn't be there if it wasn't for um, Bill. In my in my opinion, I still think Tom is the goat. I still think he's awesome, and he definitely deserved this ring, but. I'm sorry. I've seen too much football to just say Tom carried the Patriots. There was a lot of coaching philosophy, things that he just wasn't, you know, responsible for. In my opinion, that's my opinion. So if you don't like it, then that's okay. Much love. So that was my thorn. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. My rose. Um... I think, well, my rose, I'm not going to, like, officially say this, but I we got some really, like, cool, happy news in my family. Mm. And so, yeah, that was, that was my rose. And I, I don't know that I really, like, have much of anything that, like, stands out as better than that. But so that was really fun. And it's a great rose. Yes. And then just generally, like, I just feel like it's been a good week. We're getting closer and closer to this baby coming. Mm. And so every... Every day, like, spent with Eden just feels a little bit more special to me. So, that's really sweet. So, a couple of housekeeping things that we're going to do. Oh, my gosh. My other rose. Really quick. Because this is going to lead into our topic for today. Okay. My other rose is that me and Austin were just, like, talking randomly this week. And we discovered that we both loved the movie Fat Albert <laughs> as kids. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> oh man. So that's fun because I feel like whenever you get into, you know, years into marriage or a relationship, it's kind of rare to discover those little things that's about each so other. True. Yeah. So that was that's just special whenever those moments happen. Speaking of marriage, we're actually going to be talking about interracial marriage today. We did an episode a couple of weeks ago about interracial dating mm-hmm. and what our experience was like kind of leading up to marriage. Yeah. And so today we're going to talk more about interracial marriage and honestly kind of about some of the stigma and stereotypes and everything surrounding 
interracial relationships and especially like people who choose to commit to interracial relationships for a lifetime. So we're going to be talking about that today, but a couple of housekeeping things before we get started. One, I want to read a review, a new review that we have in iTunes. Guys, it is so encouraging whenever we get reviews from you guys, whenever you um, just tell us the way that this has this podcast has impacted you for the better, and it also helps other people see us. So if you don't mind, take some time um, to go and rate and review this podcast specifically in Apple Podcasts. It's really helpful, even if you're not listening. I think you can like log on to a computer or if you have an iPhone, get on there. So the review says, thank you for taking the time to produce this podcast. It has been so helpful helpful for me as I tried to listen more and see how to love my neighbor as Jesus would have me do. And that is from hashtag movie lover. So whoever you are, hashtag movie lover, thank you so much for that review. We appreciate it. And it helps motivate us to keep going. Let's do it. So another thing that helps motivate us to keep going is just generally whenever people reach out and give us feedback and ask questions and kind of interact with us. So we had a, a person reach out to us on Instagram, on Instagram messages. We give our Instagram information just because it's probably like the easiest social media way to get in contact with either of us. Mm-hmm. And somebody who we did not know before um, reached out and thanked us for, for the podcast, but also asked a question and asked if we could address it. And so mm. we... Yeah, that's how we're going to start the podcast. It doesn't have anything to do with our um, specific topic for today, but we just, we want you guys to know that if you have questions, um, that we're really happy to answer these things, whether it be doing a question and answer at the beginning of an episode or maybe even doing a whole episode about it. And who knows, we may end up doing a whole episode about, about this question, but yeah, I just wanted to address it this week since we got the question this week and... Hopefully, um, you guys feel free to, to send more questions in our way so that we can keep having these conversations. I'm going to ask the question, and Austin is going to try to help us navigate it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Austin. Yeah. Why would it be more offensive to call someone out by their blackness than their whiteness? This is what I mean. Yeah. Or this is what she means. Okay. Is if someone came up to to a woman a black woman and Mm -hmm. said hey black girl why would that be more offensive than if someone came up to me and said hey white girl um Mm. yeah help us understand that okay um i don't so i can only go off of my experience right and what i know so from first glance black girl and white girl who okay it is very touchy to call uh, black women girls and black men boys. Mm. Why? There is a history of using those words to diminish or to downplay uh, the significance of womanhood and manhood in the black community. So you would, that's why you see like an old, you know, footage or it was very common for, even if it was a black grown man, people would say, hey boy, hey boy, talking down, right? Even though it was a grown man, could have been an elderly man. Hey boy, what are you doing, boy? It's a way to basically play, I'm your daddy, 
I'm older than you. I have power over you. That It was basically a, a subtle power move. So when you use language like black girl, that's why you a lot of times you hear black women, don't call me girl. <laughs> you got to be real close with a black woman. She needs to know where you stand with her, you know, what relationship y'all have. Are you really with the cause? Are you really with um, doing life with her, loving her? If not, you should not say girl to a, a black woman. That will hit a nerve most likely. Now, that's not all black women. That's not all black men, y'all. So I don't want y'all to think this goes for everybody. I'm telling you, I could see my mom having problems with that real quick. I could see my dad having problems with that real quick. And it makes sense when you know the history. It's uh, the way that blackness was used. You got to realize they they did it to make um black people not only younger you know and less respected like you wouldn't have the respect of a man wouldn't have the respect of a woman uh, but you gotta also like that plays into beauty standards that plays into animalizing i mean remember they use gorilla monkey coon raccoons you know it just think little subtle things to make you not give respect and honor and glory to other image bearers, especially with darker skin. So um, in that instance, black girl versus white girl, uh, there's just no history, honestly, that I know of um, that really, really targeted white women uh, when using the word girl. You see what I'm saying? It was more so probably a women thing, like a sexist thing for all women. But I, for white specifically, I just don't see that history. So that's about, so thank you. That's really helpful because it helps us define that historical context matters when we use language. Mm, yes, yes. And so is that the same thing that you would say when you're specifically calling out someone by the color of their skin, that it's going to be likely more offensive to a black person to call them out based on their blackness than it is to call out a white person based on their whiteness okay so let's just take away basically you want to take away the girl and the boy it would yeah. be more broader that's good um i would say oof oof because of the cultural context of how the separation between black and white was used calling one out like calling blackness out it's been used in a wrong way. Calling that out has been harmful. So to call it out now will feel off-putting. Like, for example, I used to, like, I remember people all the time used to say, like, whitey at school. Like, look at that whitey. Like, white people would say that. Black people would say that. Like, whitey, right? And it was like, oh, yeah, nothing's wrong. But, man, if you said darky or blacky, people would be like, what is wrong with you? You know what I mean? Like, it's because of the context. It's like we know blackness was... um you know, not just not discovered, right? But was used against black people. You know, like our blackness was used against us. So because of that, whenever you call it out and you don't have good intentions or and or good relationships with people, you will rub people the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Um that's just that's just gonna happen because we know the history, the historical context. Um just calling out blackness and, and darkness. I think I think I think that's what I would say. Yeah. That's really helpful. The second part of this question, which I think there's probably a whole episode to dig in with the second part of this. So Austin, just give, give us a taste and maybe we'll do an episode about this. Um, 
let us know if this is something that you, that you want to hear about. So why would it be, why is it acceptable for there to be black entertainment television, but there would be an uproar if a channel called white entertainment television Ooh. came out? That is that. Okay. So let me just go from a, that's a good question. Let me go from a recovery standpoint. Let's take it like this. What's the difference between black pride and white pride? White pride, as we knew it, was a way to dominate black people, promote themselves is great. And that was actually carried out in not just, you know, entertainment was carried out in the judicial system it was carried out in job force is carried out in economics it was carried out in religion white supremacy is so dangerous and we saw we have case studies we have a lot of data we have a lot of testimonials and how this country was built white uh, white supremacy was so toxic that white pride we knew had a totally different meaning black pride was to recover what was stripped Black pride was to say, hey, I know how we've been treated. I know how we've been looked at. I know how we've been talked at. But we're beautiful. There's beauty here. There's power here. We need to find that. So it's not really on, hey, we need to run the world and we're in control and we're doing this and we're in power. It's, hey, we need to recover ourselves, lick our wounds and um, create a community and where we can build each other up. That was the hope. So that's why you have like a black church. Right. Think about it. You think black people just wanted to only worship with black people one day? No, it's because when they were going to white churches, they were threatened for their lives. They weren't safe, right? Um, they couldn't probably sit in the same pews uh, with their with their white brothers and sisters. You see what I mean? So it was like that black church wasn't racist. They were creating a place where we can worship Jesus safely, where we don't have to worry about the pastor being in the KKK, right? We don't have to worry about deacons in the KKK because that's what was going on. Um, it's hard to stomach and it's hard to realize and admit, but that's what was happening was uh, the white supremacists open, proud, loud. We're not only members in churches, leaders in American churches. So that's why you have a black, historically black college. You think black people just wanted to learn with each other one day? They wanted to go to white institutions. They were getting denied, even though they were qualified. So the black institution was a safe place for them to you know, come together, sharpen our minds. So that's why we're down with the black, uh, historical black institution. So when you think about black and white, um, black is usually to recover. It's a response um, to being left out and, and, and pushed to the side. Hmm. That's good. And so the episode that I was thinking about is if we do an episode kind of talking about and breaking down black spaces and why that can be an important thing for a community that um, probably, because I know that I didn't, a lot of white people have a hard time understanding. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we may do an episode about that. But just to kind of sure. recap that question, Austin, tell me if, if this is correct. So when white people call out blackness, there is a history of that meaning – defining and devaluing someone based on their skin yes but when black people call out their blackness and celebrate their blackness it's it's claiming that back it's almost a redemption of that devaluing yes. so that's why it, it is offensive for someone to call out someone 
based on for a white person to call out a back a black person right based on their skin tone in a negative way but to have a black entertainment television is something that you know when created by the black community can be healing and can be good um and then whenever you look at the opposite when you think about white pride white pride has a history of actually specifically being anti-black or anti-minority so it's not just you know loving the skin that god gave you exactly it's being anti-something else or putting yourself above something higher so one of the things that we say so often in this podcast and in our lives is that god our our race is god given and god ordained that doesn't that, that applies to black people and white people. That applies to I- anyone of any race mm-hmm. on this earth. The thing is, is in that as well, he's given us the ability to steward that gift. Mm-hmm. And so we have to steward it based on the context and based on the place that he has put us in. Because he's also, you know, put us in the place that we're in. He's put us, white people who are listening in America, he's made us white people in America, not mm. white people in Russia or not white people in Europe or not. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so all of that matters. All of it goes into the context, man. We have like, really the intro of this podcast has been long. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we hope that that was helpful though. And, um, and we'll probably kind of fly through the, the marriage portion of this just because we we hit so much of it in our last episode, but I do want to hit on it um, because I think that there was a lot that we didn't say in the last episode about interracial dating, and yeah, I want to talk about it. We got Valentine's Day coming up. We got a lot of things to think about. Mm. So moving into the topic of interracial marriage, Austin, let's start on a happy note, like start on a good positive note. What has been the most rewarding part of being in an interracial marriage for you? One of my favorite things is seeing like, okay, when you look at the Jews and the Gentiles, like Romans one uh, sixteen, I'm not ashamed of the gospel is, is the power of uh, salvation to first the Jew and then the Gentiles and realizing we're both Gentiles, like we're not Jewish, and then knowing like where my history and my line probably goes back and then yours goes back and there's going to be a lot of differences. And then seeing that we're coming together and creating a family and a line, it's so cool to be like, wow, like we're the nations like together. You know what I mean? Like that's really cool because I know we'd have such a different line um, so far back. So for me, I think that's my favorite thing to think about sometimes from an interracial standpoint is looking at God's promise and how he's worked and at least one person from every tribe, nation, and tongue, and then seeing how, like, we represent, like, literally we can see it, not from the outside, but also, too, our bloodlines, like, uh, they're so different. I think that's so cool. Oh, yeah, I just echo that. We were singing this song on Sunday or two Sundays ago at church, and, you know, pretty darn pregnant over here like real hormonal (laughs) and have the like the weeps all the time um but it is it is kind of a blessing to be able to feel this kind of emotion because we were singing this song that's based off of the book of revelation and uh asking the question in the song 
is God worthy? And as we were singing of it, as we were singing it, I was just imagining what that would be like and just thinking about, I was just, I don't know, I just had so much joy thinking about in this little row of me and Austin, Aiden wasn't with us, but our, our baby was in my belly. And I was thinking about her is that, you know, we looked, we all look different. We, we all look different. Um, and so it's just like a really cool picture of revelation and of scripture. And I think that that's, it's just sweet to be a part of. It's just a blessing to be able to, to be able to see so physically. And then I think the other thing for me specifically is just, it's kind of the hardest part too. The next question is what's the hardest part? And so I'm going to kind of give like, it's, it's the most rewarding and it's also the hardest for this part of the question. And then I'll let you answer. But for me, I haven't seen racism quite up close and personal ever in my life. And so seeing it and seeing people, the people who I love most in this world experience it is one of the hardest things ever. And also... I have been, God has challenged me so much in empathy, or sorry, I guess sympathy is a better word for that, but in just the way, I feel like he's, he's just taught me a lot about his people, and he's taught me a lot about himself um, as a man of sorrows, and that, like, in the hardest part has been, um, I, I wouldn't also trade it for the world, I would trade my family experiencing racism, absolutely. Um, but I wouldn't trade being challenged the way that he's challenged me in these past however many years. Does that make sense, Austin? Yes, that makes total sense. And I think the lessons that we learn as an interracial in an interracial marriage is different than the lessons we would learn if we married inside of our race, mm-hmm. you know, and it, that doesn't mean God would teach us less or more. It means that it's different and we have to acknowledge that it's different. Mm-hmm. And that means there's certain things we're supposed to know on this side of glory that we probably wouldn't have known otherwise. So uh, as far as learning, going to school, if you will, <laughs> about life, um, God is definitely intentionally using our different racial backgrounds and cultural backgrounds uh, to come together under Christ. So then what would you say would be the hardest part of being in an interracial marriage so far? The hardest part would be just thinking about it from a worldly perspective. That happens all the time. You know, I'm not going to lie. When there's a terrible situation that goes down, especially like something maybe uh, racially, Mm -hmm. like especially like this summer, you think, man, this would be easier on Lauren if she was black. Even though the trauma would be higher, mm-hmm. she would be able to relate with me. I would be able to relate with her better. Or, man, this would be easier if I was white mm-hmm. because I'd be able to relate. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like it's almost like it's easier to think about, man, if we were the same, mm-hmm. 
then we'd be able to get through this easier. And I don't even know if that's true, but that's how that's the thought that comes in my head. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like if we were the same, it would make our oneness easier. Yes. That's probably the hard, that's that's the hardest thing is thinking about oh, is our oneness broken, especially in intense moments like that. Okay, I'm going to completely switch gears real quick. So what goes through your mind and how does it make you feel when specifically a white person who is married to someone who is black or maybe a different race, um, how does it make you feel whenever someone who is white in an interracial marriage makes the claim that they cannot be racist because they are married to a black person? Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Um, I, 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 oof. I cringe so hard. That is so sad. That, I mean, it just shows the person's ignorance. They don't know how racism works. And they're probably using a definition that someone gave them to make sure that they didn't fit that definition. I mean, how convenient is it that we've all heard, you know, a lot of us heard the definition of racism and you can conveniently check off. Well, that's not me. You know what I mean? And so it's tough because I know my history and I understand that interracial families were a thing y'all on the slave plantations. Mm -hmm. Like there was white daddies, black mamas with biracial kids. I mean, that's, it's not pretty. It's, it's awful. It's disgusting in a lot of ways because those weren't loving relationships, right? A lot of them, it was rape and, and horrible things that were going on. So, but I know, Hey, they had a biracial son and a biracial daughter and their butts was in the field. So it's like, don't, don't think because you're tied to someone by blood of that absolves you. Um, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Or even because you love someone. Yeah, even if you love someone. Even if you love someone. You can love. I think I think what's weird, too, is I remember in college, just like people think, if oh, if I'm attracted to someone of a different race, I can't be racist. Mm-hmm. Like, that person's attractive to me. So, I mean, <laughs> if I was racist, how could I be attracted to them? But if your attraction turns into some kind of fetish, turns into some kind of you know, oh, other than attraction, something that's different, quote unquote, that's not healthy. That's just not healthy. <laughs> right. And you see it. In a, you see it in a lot of demographics. But um, you just got to be careful if you love, if you're attractive, if you, that that does not absolve you from, um, you know, prejudice or at the very least racial insensitivity mm-hmm. yeah i have i have to fight that like regularly of whenever i feel well one whenever i feel insecure because maybe i learned something new and i just realized oh my gosh i didn't know about that or i didn't see that prejudice that was buried deep down in my heart until now, I have to fight saying to myself or to you or whoever, like, yeah, but that doesn't make me racist. That doesn't make me, you know what I mean? And I think just like 
using something like that to absolve myself is just another way where I'm trying to, yeah, trying to like absolve myself of a sin. And if I know that I can be sinful in all of these ways that aren't necessarily showing themselves on the surface, but they, but can still be in my heart. Um, or maybe they are showing themselves on the surface and I just can't see it because I'm too prideful and blinded to see it that, that racism could also exist there. And especially as Christians, if, if, if someone who is saying this is a Christian, it's kind of saying like, I can't, I'm incapable of sin in this area because of my context. And I think that we would say that, that biblically, that, that can't, that's not true. And the minute that we start to assume that we're incapable of any type of sin, the minute our heart becomes most uh, vulnerable to it. Hey guys, we're so glad that you're sticking around for this episode and hope you're enjoying it so far. One of the most common questions we get anytime there's a big racism recognition moment in our culture is, okay, I see it now, but what do I do? Where do I start? Our answer, somewhere. That's right. We created a 10-point PDF guide called Start Somewhere that we would love for you to grab. All you have to do is go to www.laurengroves.me And on the top menu, you'll find a tab that says Biblical Racial Reconciliation Guide. Click that, insert your email, and you will receive the guide in your email almost immediately. Start Somewhere is just that, a starting place. But in a short PDF guide, we'll give you podcast recommendations, our best book list, documentaries to watch, conversations to start, and just a little education on the origins of racism in America. Most importantly, we help you understand that fighting for unity in the subject of race in America should not be a political issue because it's a biblical one. So one more time, go to www.laurengroves.me and on the top menu, you'll find a tab that says Biblical Racial Reconciliation Guide. Click that, insert your email, and start somewhere. That's a great point. Yeah, that's the sin right there, right? It's to say, oh, I'm not sinful. <laughs> that's the first sin mm-hmm. is the hardening of your heart. So you just got to be very careful. Instead of figuring out ways while you're not harming people, start thinking, oh, man, what are ways that I am? Mm-hmm. And start working on that. Work the other way. And because it's not a condemnation thing. If you're a Christian, especially, like, you should know that Christ died for your sin, Yes. So you're literally free to figure out, free to find ways, free to explore opportunities in loving your neighbors uniquely, Mm -hmm. Um, especially your black and brown. Like you're free to do that. So you don't have to go, oh, my gosh, I'm I'm a terrible person and I'm this this," and start bashing yourself. You can say, man, Jesus died for that. And you can cry and, and have, even have tears of joy. Like, thank you, Jesus, for covering me in that. And you can hate that sin. And then you can figure out ways to kill it uh, day by day. So don't take this from a death row standpoint. Take it from, man, he's giving me another opportunity. <laughs> he's giving me an opportunity to right this wrong. Um, and I think you should take it. So, Austin, what are some of the most prominent stigmas kind of surrounding interracial marriage? Ooh, 
I don't know the most prominent stigmas. The one that come to my mind is stigmas, a stigma. I guess there's a stigma of Ooh. What's a stigma? Dang. <laughs> Y'all can tell that she really doesn't ask me these questions. Like it's on the spot. It's on the spot, so I don't do anything scripted and it's more conversational. But I'd say one that comes to my mind, a stigma of interracial. For black and white, I would say this, it feels unique as a black man and a white woman. There is a stigma that's like, oh, I don't like or appreciate my blackness as a black man. I think when black women are with white men, I don't think that's assumed. Um, maybe not as much. Or maybe not as much. Because, like, for example, I've seen people in my family, when that happens, like, they celebrate it. Like, right on, right on. You know, go ahead, sister. <laughs> and then if a black man to the white girl, it's like, oh. It's like, oh, so you don't, you don't love us. You don't want to be with us. And so I respect that and I get that because – I'm not a black woman. I don't know how that feels. So I understand that there is a stigma there. And I understand that it is even different for black women and black or black women and white men. I don't know why I haven't talked to like my family about that. Like I, I should ask, like, you know, what does that mean to you? Like what? But honestly, you know, I haven't had those conversations before. If I'm being real. And I don't know the deep history beyond um, like I don't know the history between the difference between the two I don't understand where that started so then obviously and I, I think I've said this probably on half of these podcasts but because I talk about it anytime I talk about like our you know being a, a teenager and, and learning to navigate race and not doing that well but there's obviously the stigma from the white community um, that just stems from straight-up racism, right, around a, an interracial marriage and specifically a white person marrying a black person. And I think that that kind of – I think that that kind of works both ways in that scenario. But I heard a lot the the idea of – if you choose this type of marriage, you're choosing the quote unquote harder road. And I would say that that's the, that's the biggest stig stigma that's kind of couched in like, this isn't racist. It's just true. Um, but it can have a lot of, a, a lot of really racially insensitive or racist connotation behind it. So Austin, I just talked about some stigma from white people about interracial marriage specifically white and black you just talked about some stigma from black people about interracial marriage specifically white and black what's the difference between those two help us understand why one is more problematic than the other well um under like thinking that or feeling a a, a type of way about you know black men and white women together and that hurting that makes sense from a historical context you know, when you go back to history that I could I could see and while I've said I didn't have, you know, conversations about it, I can see how that can rub, especially black women the wrong way, <clears throat> especially just knowing our history. Mm -hmm. But as far as like white people saying, I, I guess 
embracing other white people for a hard road. It's what you said the other day. It's like, man, you were literally admitting to racism mm -hmm. in that statement. <laughs> like you're literally admitting there are racist people along the way that's going to make this harder. Because mm -hmm. what's the other implication? Like why else would it be harder? It doesn't make sense. You know, it's so it's cr it's problematic because, you know, that person who's telling you is the harder route. They know something that they're not admitting or they know something that they don't even think they know. <laughs> It's in their subconscious, like, there will be racist people to make this harder. Like, there are going to be people who don't like this. And um, that's that's just wrong. And it, it's it's not like they've been hurt. You know, black women have been hurt. Black men have been hurt. So if they feel some type of way about, you know, seeing their family member, their friend with a white person, and they have a history of white people, you know, spitting on them and um and I'm not just saying literally, y'all. I'm saying spitting on is like looking down upon and um, suppressing and oppressing. And if they see that, of, of course, there's probably a little PTSD. Like, hold up. What you mean you go to white person? You know what I mean? Like, that makes sense. It's like, oh, yeah, a lot of people who are white have been treated you poorly. Makes sense. But when you go from the other side, it's like, wait a second. What's your excuse? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times that's not the case. I'm not saying it isn't always. Uh, but a lot of times it's it's they don't have a history of black people treating them poorly. Um, it's because they don't think black people are on their level. That's that's typically what it comes down to. It's oh, my child, they deserve better than that, and, and that's just not the same ballpark. That's helpful, Austin. Um, so, how do you specifically <clears throat> navigate? I guess I don't know if, if you've ever been actually approached by someone who would question your blackness because you're married to a white person, but how do you navigate the negative stereotypes around around our marriage as you're thinking, I guess as you're just thinking about things, as you're maybe hearing people say things about interracial relationships online? Yeah, just what goes through your head and how do you navigate that mentally and emotionally? Well, I think I look at it through a biblical lens, and that's what really helps me. Because, like, for example, oh, this is interesting. So I remember when, like, Black Panther came out, and somebody, I forgot who posted this. I'm sorry I laughed because <laughs> there's a little humor to it, but I, it's also not funny. Um, so I remember someone saying, oh, yeah, all you, like, black people want to go to Wakanda, but you're going to have to leave your white queens here in America. You can't bring your white queens to Wakanda. And, like, for a second, like, I looked at that. I was like, what? Why, was, why would they say that? Like, I'm not black because I'm married to a white woman. I, like, come on, y'all. Like, that's that's not how this works. But then I realized, oh, you know, that person probably has an insecurity. That probably person has a hurt, a history with that. And that's okay. That's fine. I can respect that. If that's true, then I'm not going to Wakanda. It's very simple. I don't want to go there. If we're literally turning it into a place where, you know, you got to be black to be there. I, it's not that deep for me because I think of this biblically speaking. I believe that all racial groups um, are like pre-chosen. Like God literally chooses what racial group we're going to be with. And he makes it very clear that he has died uh, for each and every racial group. 
like whoever believes in Jesus in any racial group um, will be a part of the church, will be a part of the body. So I don't look at it white like it's, oh, your heart, you are messing up the vibe. I don't look at black as like, oh, we're all good. We're all saints here. I don't see it that way. I look from a biblical standpoint. So uh, it helps me navigate those. It helps me from feeling bad or thinking, man, did I make a mistake or did I, you know what I mean? I, I don't really go there because I just think biblically, I think on a bigger scale uh, and trying to see what God's doing in our lives specifically, but also uh, all of us as a whole. I have gotten the question a lot from other white people about if I've experienced reverse racism from the black community being married to you or being in a relationship with you. And we did we did a whole episode about reverse racism. Ooh. So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and listen to it because it's really important. I think it's really helpful when thinking about this conversation specifically. Mm. But I would say at the beginning of our relationship, I... Um, I was really worried about that. Like I was really worried about the way that I would be seen from the black community and really defensive about it. Mm. And I think that one thing that just after having done um, prayerfully or hopefully this is a, this is a self-assessment and I know that it could be far better, but having done hopefully a lot more listening than talking whenever it comes to race over the past seven years or however long it's been. Um, I think that one thing, you know, Austin, that you've been talking about this whole time and I'm just kind of affirming is that skepticism about me being in a relationship with Austin makes sense. Whenever you think about the history and when you think about like, what does my family think of this and what does because it all is realistic and and to be fair like it has happened austin has experienced racism from members of my family and so for someone to be worried for him that he might have to navigate that it it's real it makes sense and it's part of it now am i thankful that he has you know endured that or chosen to yes and also that's that's hard and it's very different for let's say the member of my family or for someone who's looking at me to say to be skeptical of me getting in a relationship with Austin because that doesn't come from that doesn't come from an experiential past. That comes from the devaluing and the negative stereotypes and racist ideas that they have about around an entire group of people made in the image of God who they devalue because of the color of their skin. Mm. Those are two very, very different things. And so kind of like after seeing that and, and then even experiencing it a little bit, I guess I just am less defensive about about that and not that I'm not defensive but that becomes less and less and that's what I would encourage anyone who's maybe newly kind of getting into an interracial relationship or who you know might have 
someone who they deeply love who feels like, oh, I feel like this person's community is looking down on me because I'm in a relationship with them. I think that that's a real point of compassion of being of asking the question, well, why is that? And if the answer is because of pain and oppression and suppression and all of those things, that just gives us an opportunity to to sympathize. And that gives us an opportunity to weep with those who weep. Like that's a that's an opportunity to go toward that and and not to draw back in defense and back in insecurity. So yeah, that's what I would say for anybody who's navigating that. And then our last thing that I just want to touch on is for all of you listeners who are who are have stuck around with us throughout this episode but are kind of saying like I'm not in an interracial relationship. I'm not in an interracial marriage. So how does this how does this apply to me? Um, how can I practice anti-racism whenever it comes to interracial marriage, whenever I'm not a part of interracial marriage. Uh, I have a few things, and I'm going to let Austin add on anything that he has afterward. But one, I would say don't assume someone is anti-racist if they're married to a black person or have a black person in their family. Where that can be harmful is, one, like I said earlier, um, if someone makes that assumption about me, it feels like it gives me a free pass, right? It gives me a pass to, to, to be sinful where, where I know my heart is evil and where I know my heart is, is messed up and where I do have to constantly be fighting, um, fighting things that, that Satan doesn't want me to have to fight. And I would say that that, that goes for anyone. So um, not that you need to like quiz someone if they're married to a black person. If, you, if you're white and you know someone who's, who's married, a white person who's married to a black person. But also like just because, you know, a white person who's married to a black person has an opinion after like this summer. Um, that doesn't mean that that's the opinion that you should be 100% seeking, right? We should be going toward listening to to voices who are not like ours and specifically um if if a group of people is being oppressed we need to be listening to those voices um does that mean that a white person can't have something good to say about this no absolutely not but um but like i said don't just assume that someone is anti-racist because they are married to a black person the other thing is and we haven't really touched on this Austin so I'll let you add on to it um after this but don't treat a black person as if they are quote unquote more white because they are married to a white person that just further like pushes someone Austin is a black man and he is a black man just regardless of who he's married to. And, you know, he doesn't wear a shirt around that says, hey, I have a white wife. So the world doesn't see him as somebody whose value is based on on me. Now, is it possible that he gets some perks or he gets treated differently because he has a white wife? Yeah, and that's that's also rooted and stems from sin. But um, but yeah, don't don't make an assumption about a black person because they're married to a white person that they are a certain way. And then the other thing is recognize the beauty of, we talked about the beauty of interracial marriage. 
but recognize the beauty of interracial marriage without putting it on a pedestal above single race marriages and and especially black marriages. So there is a lot of we hear a lot of things about like how cool people think our marriage is and how um, we even hear things about about our child and like oh biracial kids are so pretty and la da 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 and. I think that we can appreciate the value of something and appreciate the beauty of something without saying that it's better than something else. And the implication of that is a single race marriage is less than. And as we've said over and over again, that's not true. And not only that, but again, there is a history of of black people being oppressed and, and black people in black marriages being oppressed. And so it's like, not only is it is it not true that a white marriage isn't beautiful or that any other single race marriage isn't beautiful, but sometimes that can feel as if you're specifically saying this interracial marriage is better than a black marriage would be. And though that might not be exactly what you mean to say, I do know that that's how it can feel sometimes. Um, so yeah, that's, those are kind of the things that I would say we can go away from this episode kind of thinking about Austin. What do you have? Uh, what resonated with me was saying like, don't treat one person in an interracial marriage, you know, like they're the other, mm-hmm. you know, don't like no one should be coming to me as if I'm a white man or coming to you as if you're a black woman. Yeah. And I think that's a critical lesson. I think that's an important lesson to learn. Um, because oof, I would even say this too. Mm, <laughs> I need to say this carefully. If you're going to, so it doesn't feel good when, whether it's someone in the family, someone, a friend talks to me like black one-on-one, if you will, and kind of hinting like Lauren doesn't understand or or someone coming to Lauren White like oh Austin doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. You see like almost the the reverse. It's hurtful. It's like we are who we are individually and then also understand recognize that we're with somebody who is different. And and that's okay. I mean, I'm trying to think. We pretty much agree on it. <laughs> I can't really think of anything controversial that we don't agree with, though, low-key. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's helpful. <laughs> like, really, we don't disagree. Like, we have the same <laughs> idea. It's kind of funny now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, hmm. Helpful. It is helpful. No, it really is helpful. Like, that's stressful thinking about going through all these scenarios and, like, if we were split. Yeah. You know, like, because we were at one point when we were dating, and we talked about that. The very beginning. At the very start, at the very start, that was, and that was stressful. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I forgot that was even a thing until we started talking about it. So, yeah, just keep that in mind, y'all. Um, don't don't get discouraged. Don't beat yourself up. This is this is not um, when you learn more information, you feel more deflated and more hopeless. Mm, use this as gasoline in the car, a fuel to the fire. Uh, let it drive you. Let it push you. Let it warm you up and, uh, and and get you out here rolling because there's so much at stake, y'all. And 
interracial, not just black and white, just interracial in general. That is our future. And not only is it the future of like our country or the world, it's the present. And we're building to that. So it's important that you know how to interact with interracial marriages. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's important y'all. Like, because you're going to see it more often. It's going to become more of a thing. And, um, you know, our baby girl, if she gets married, there's a strong chance she's going to be in an interracial marriage mm-hmm. just because she's in her, you know, she's biracial. <laughs> I don't say she's in her, she's biracial. So whoever she with, black man, white man, you know, whatever. It I'm telling you, you gotta you gotta think broad. Don't just think in the moment. Think think in the future as well. Does that make sense, Lauren? What I just said? Yes, it makes a lot of sense. And I would just add to it, especially Christians, not only is this our future and our is it our present here. But it's our future eternally. We know and we believe that our relationships with one another in heaven are going to be even more close than our marriages on earth. Right? So our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ in heaven is going to be like even tighter than what my and Austin relationship is right now. Which means you are going to be in interracial relationship for the rest of your eternity, for all of eternity. And while we cannot achieve the perfection that is to come in heaven, we should pursue on earth as it is in heaven. So we should be pursuing that closely. Does that mean you got to, like, if you're single, you need to go find uh, someone of a different race to marry? No, not necessarily. That's not what I mean. <laughs> but I'm saying we can we can value those things. And we can, like I said, we can use the things that we've talked about here, the things that we've talked about in these la- in this last hour, we can use that in our other relationships as we're building close relationship with friends and with, you know, transracial adoption is happening like more and more. And so all of these things, they can apply to more things than just marriage and they definitely apply to our eternity. So yeah, I would just encourage all of us to, to be thinking about that and then to like think eternally minded as we're, as we're navigating all of these conversations but that's all all i got to say about that that was beautiful love the eternal perspective (laughs) awesome well thank you guys so much for sticking with us thank you for listening again we so appreciate it i'll I'll just plug again we would love 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 to see your reviews to see your ratings on apple podcasts and we would also Love it if you would reach out to us. Um, our our contact information is at, in the outro of this every single time. So, yeah, we just appreciate you guys. We've had so many good conversations just even this week about this podcast with people who are listening. So, um, those of you who have reached out, you know who you are. Thank you so much. Um, it is more than encouraging to us. And we're excited to to keep it going. Yes, we are. We'll talk to you later. Peace. Thanks so much for listening to Grace and Race. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and also took away some points so that you too can better commit to practicing anti-racism in your own family and community. If you want to stay updated on episodes and join further conversations, head to laurengroves.me backslash join our list. That's laurengroves.me backslash 
join our list, to join our email list. You can also follow us on Instagram at Lauren two underscores Groves or Groves 8070 to stay updated with our family and join conversations on our public platforms. Thanks for listening. We'll chat with you again soon.